This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Don't sometimes you stand amazed at how the service goes? Because what I've got this morning is a challenging word. And I thought, oh, why am I meant to give a challenging word? Can't I give a nice word? No. But we've been challenged this morning, and I think the way the service has gone has been wonderful, from the worship to that prayer, which encapsulates everything I want to say. So I'm delighted at the moment. Can I just pray, though, that, Lord, may what I say glorify you and not me. And, Lord, may I please you, my Heavenly Father, more than I please people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I've got my preaching shoes on. So, at any point I may fall over, but there are nurses in the house who will come and strap up my broken ankle and I'll continue preaching. So here we go. There we go. What I'm speaking from this morning is Jude. And I'm speaking from all of Jude. Well, a large part of Jude. The middle part of it I'm leaving for Ian. Because it's a bit more difficult. <laughs> Ian can do that bit, I'll do this bit. <laughs> I'm not daft. I'm not daft, let me tell you. So Jude. I'll start reading, and it's from 1 to 7, and then from 20 to 24 that I'm going to read. So it's Jude a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints, For certain men, whose condemnation was written about long ago, have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men, who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality, and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and God. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. And now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. What a fantastic scripture. Jude is only 25 verses long, and I think it is phenomenal. I've read it tens of times in the past, but sometimes you read it and the whole of it makes sense to you. You understand where Jude is coming from. And maybe that's what I want to impress today more than anything. Jude, he says, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. He was actually Jesus' brother. 
the brother of James. And this is the only epistle where we are told have been co- um, to those who have been called and who are loved by God. All of their epistles are written to a church, to a specific church. But this epistle is written to all of us. And he's writing to inform them that there's error in the church. There's wrong teaching in the church. It's a warning. There is wrong teaching in the church. And I'm thinking, if it's written to all, then that wrong teaching was pretty widespread. Because this had to go out. So wrong teaching has been about from the very beginning. Ian told me this morning, because he looked it up, because we were talking yesterday, Jew died in 65 AD. So right at the beginning, after Jesus' death, the church had been infiltrated with wrong teaching. And the wrong teaching was, because you're under grace, it don't matter how you live. How current is that? Because you're under grace... You can do what you like, really. Immorality doesn't really matter. You're under grace. Therefore, now, they preach there is no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. It scares the life out of me. It scares the very life out of me. And in order to counteract that, he gives us three responsibilities. A responsibility for the faith, a responsibility for ourselves, and a responsibility for others. Isn't that fab? But it starts with this. Now to him, I don't know if it's him there. Um, It says, to all who are called by God, kept safe in Christ Jesus. And then it ends with, now to him who is able to keep you from falling. And so you have these two bookshelves, if you like, isn't it? Holding together the whole of the center. And the center is the crux of it. The centres where the challenge comes. Those two verses, aren't they fab? Isn't that what you'd like to preach, isn't it? You'd all like me to stand here and just tell you that God's going to keep you. Isn't that wonderful? And that's what what Jude wanted to do. That's the the preach he wanted to give them. That's the letter he wants to write because he says, doesn't he? I was eager to write you about your salvation, but... And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Because the Holy Spirit stopped him. And said, no, 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 no. Warn them of the danger. That's sheer grace. This is couched in grace. As loving parents, we warn our children from the time they're little about danger. Don't we? Don't go near the fire. Don't stand away from that heaven is hot. We're shouting, don't go near that. Watch you don't fall. We're, we're looking after them. We're guarding them. And that kept means that, just that. To protect, to guard, to look after. That's what God is doing to us. So when he's warning us of dangers, that's his keeping power on us. You know? Medical profession has warned people for donkey's years. Excessive drinking. Excessive smoking. Well, smoking. No, 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 no. No, drugs. Dangerous. Overeating, lack of exercise. How many? T- it's warning one on. But if we don't heed the warning, there are consequences to pay. Yes. For years, we said we were talking about this yesterday. We talk an awful lot in the coffee shop. I just love it. <laughs> I love it. 
all good stuff. No rubbish talked in, no rubbish talked in Kutch on a Saturday morning. But you know, we, for years, do not overprescribe antibiotics. Do not. I was 50 years ago last May, I started training to be a nurse. We were saying then, yeah, I don't look it. I don't look it day older than that, do I? It's amazing what God can do for a godly woman. Right. Now, so we were saying, do not overprescribe antibiotics. He did the warning, though. What's happened in China? They have found a bug that is now resistant to the last chance antibiotic, which has the capability of jumping across whatever the species of microbes is called and setting up a gene in them that is also resistant to antibiotics. It's massive. They say it's a far way off from happening. It's huge. God warns us because he loves us. And the warning to the church is this. There's error in some churches. Some people don't teach the whole truth. Some people just teach the bookends of, Christ, of, the, of the scripture. The nice part, the composite gospel. Oh, we preach that. Because you see, people might be offended if I preach the truth. Because it does say, now I'm going to have the verse up for this, that in latter days, people will not be lovers of sound doctrine, but will surround themselves with teachers who will teach what their rich in years want to hear. Do you know, I think we're in those days. I think we're in the days where people do not want to come to a church that's going to preach the truth to them, that's going to challenge them. So we teach bookends. So we teach the bookends and we bring in everything else that's nice from the world. So we bring in a bit of self-help. Sounds good. There's nothing wrong with it. Works out there, based on scripture. Let's preach it, but we won't mention Jesus when we preach in it. This is what happens. And there's a massive problem with preaching an incomplete message. It's a huge problem. It makes the message itself ineffective. If you compromise the gospel in any way, it loses power. And the power of the gospel is its ability to be taken to the heart of the believer and effect a change. You are not changed by a gospel that only preaches what you want to hear. I am not changed unless I'm challenged because there's an awful lot in me that needs to change and I need somebody who's honest enough to stand up here and give me the truth about myself rather than hearing what I want to hear which means living my life can go on as it was without having to make any changes at all. And so he says, contend for the faith once and for all given to the saints. There's no need to tweak the gospel. There is no need to change it. There is no need to alter it. He does not need us to come along and, and make any form of alteration in it so that we can accommodate people who don't want to hear the lot because it is then ineffective and we have to contend. I feel I contended all my life. <laughs> That's how I feel. I have fought. We have to fight this fight of faith. And I feel that's what I've done. I came out from the Welsh chapels where the fight was against dead worship, which had come out from the revival. 
and was phenomenal worship, but it became traditional, and the dead traditions that go along with it. And the fight was hard. The fight was hard. Because error creeps in subtly sometimes. Subtly. So that the traditions become unmovable. They're as, they're as set as God himself. Some of you have come up from churches that conformed you to a certain image where you weren't allowed to shift out of that. Con- so we've all fought. We've come through the 80s and 90s of complete wackiness in the church and we've fought that. What a time that was. I never want to go back to that again. But I'm, can I talk to the young people and the not so young? Your fight's going to be different. You're going to have to contend for a church that I believe is going to be the compromised church. Because if you look around the world and see what's happening, the Christian religion is being sidelined. And so we will tweak it and we will alter it and we will change it to make it palatable for people who don't want to hear the truth. Some people will be too afraid to preach the truth because they will be singled out. Right? Many years ago, um, uh, David Wilkerson from, he wrote The Cross and the Switchblade, Times Church, New York. He was asked, and he wrote a fabulous book called Hungry for More of Jesus. And in it he says, people ask me, Mr. Wilkerson, come to our church. Come to our church. There's 25,000 people in our church. Come, come. And he said, I'd go there and ask myself, where was the Holy Spirit? You can fill a church by preaching to people what they want to hear. That isn't what Phil prayed this morning. That is not. I pray. And we are to contend for the truth. For the absolute. But to do that, you need to know the doctrines. You need to know your Bible. Because truth will sneak in subtly. Subtly. And sometimes well-meaningly. But it'll be a subtle change of absolute truth. You have to know your doctrines. And I'm sorry. I mean, I have to say it. And I could rant. And I'll try not to. <laughs> but if the only way you're getting your doctrines is from some Christian celebrity's tweet, you are not reading the Bible. <laughs> All right? And I am sorry, but I am sick of this. Where I get downloaded so-and-so's tweets who live the, the, the jet-set lifestyle, right? Who makes one now multi-millionaires who lived a jet-set lifestyle, who travel on private just What on earth have they got in common with you when you're going out and working for minimum wage? For pity's sake, it infuriates me. And we download them as if they're God themselves. And then we preach their tweets. Do you know how many, preach, how many um, churches preach the tweets of Christian celebrities? That becomes the basis of what they say in church. That is not the doctrine of Jesus Christ. You cannot contend for the faith if you're not reading his word, getting to know what he says, and stop it with the Christian. We're in the cult of celebrity. I can't bear it. Stop. Rant over. Right. Right. So first of all, contend for the faith. You have to fight it. It'll come in subtly. And you have to trust God to give you enough discernment to know. Hello, Joshua. <laughs> Hello. You have to trust God to give you discernment to know. 
if something doesn't feel right, he'll say, uh-uh, sounds right, but I something in me is saying, that isn't right. And don't go down the road that I often go down. Must know better than me. It must know better than me. Right? Go with what the Holy Spirit is saying. If it doesn't sound right, run for the hills. Run for the hills. You'll be caught up in wrong teaching, which will be ineffective and will not affect a change in us. So the next thing, so that's that part of it. So contend for the faith. And I have to say it again, I honestly believe that the Christian church, the true Christian church, is going to have to do a lot of contending in the very near future. Because I think we are going to be infiltrated with lots of stuff that will make us compromise, to make us palatable to the world. Right? And that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. But if we're rooted in the faith, if we're rooted in Christ, we get there. Because we have all the power of God on our side to do it. And then he says this. But you, dear friends, build yourself up in your most holy faith. I may as well give you the title halfway through. I've forgotten because I've never got a title, but I've got one today. So then I forgot. I call this a call to action, which is what we prayed. It's a call, active service. And this is what he tells us. Now, he's been through that, so we, you know, and I didn't want to concentrate on specifically things that are there in the church because they are huge. There's loads. But just know that we need to know. The Holy Spirit, we need to trust God to tell us. But then he says this. But you, dear friends... Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Note. (laughs) Build yourselves up, not big yourselves up. All right? Lots of churches believe that building you up is telling you off. Flipping fantastic you are. How wonderful you are. You're a warrior. You're a planet shaker. You're a world changer. And you listen to all this and people are bigged up and hyped and they can't take control of their lives on a Saturday night. And were you a warrior? You know? So let's set it into context. Build yourselves up by praying in the Holy Spirit. Every um, commentary and every um, article that I've read around this book says that that is surrender. Phil spoke about it, surrender to God. Prayers of surrender, and if you want them, I don't think there's any better than David's. Open yourselves up to God to allow him to come in and shine his light on us, on me, and reveal to me what I need for right in my life. This is what David prayed. And you know, he says, search me, O Lord. See if there's any hidden way in me. Test my anxious thoughts. And then lead me in life everlasting. Right? He says in Psalm 51, he says, create in me a pure heart, O Lord. Renew a right spirit within me. So you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit coming in to show you 
where we, where rather, we, not you, because it is me as well. But no, to show us where there's this need of change in us. You can't be built up by somebody constantly telling you you're fantastic. You'll think there's nothing to change. It's nonsense. So this, once again, is pure grace. And Titus tells us this. Titus 2, 11, 15. And I want you to see grace in different contexts. It's gone up. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. That's grace. Grace teaching me. Grace training me to say no. Is grace using that? What did you call it in the brain, Andrea? Oh, she switched off. <laughs> you know, where your brain kicks in and says no, no, no. Yeah, well, I know it's conscience, but Andre, Andre used a bigger word than conscience for it. <laughs> it's what Ian spoke about, the conscience with guilt, isn't it? It's what Phil spoke about last week when he said, you know, the Holy Spirit telling you, oh, you're empty, and so am I. It, it's, it's coming into this thing that, that it teaches us, it shows us where we need to be saying no to certain things. So that we can live godly and upright lives in this present age. I believe Jude is a now portion of scripture. I don't think anything is more current at the moment. So here's grace. And if you want to know what Andrew said and what Ian said and what Phil said and what Mike said. Look at the podcast of the last few sermons. Because it's all that they did was build us up. By praying in the Holy Spirit. And that isn't just speaking in, it's praying in tongues. can be. But it's not only that. It is this, I believe, opening ourselves up. And allowing God to work in us. How do we do that? Well, it's simple. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Verse for the year. Who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. If you don't remember anything else this morning you probably won't but remember this get to know Jesus get to know Jesus read about Jesus read your gospels until he actually lifts off the page in front of you and becomes the man that you know you won't get him from a downloaded tweet you won't get him to listen to some Christian celebrity. You won't get him by thinking too much. You will get it by reading about him and by allowing God to reveal him to you. Because when you get to know Jesus, you will not want to do anything that hurts him. He becomes all in all to us. We sometimes don't want the Holy Spirit to show us too much because for me I'm a little bit selfish and I want what I want and I think that's true but this is the good part let me give you a little example two years next week was the first Sunday we came to this church as a family two years next week I'm sure we are all delighted <laughs> yay you're all pleased we're here 
So two years next week is when we came here for the first time. And when I came, the only people I knew were Phil and Mark. I knew Phil and Mark. Didn't know anybody else. Knew the best ones, but you were the only two I knew. And my joy, I've said about meeting on a, on, on a Saturday morning, my joy is to discuss things of scripture and to talk about it and to glean it from people and to ask questions and all that. And I missed that. But when I came, I asked John, I think it was the first prayer and praise I came to, do you have cleaning water in the church? And he said, no, Sally does the cleaning. I thought, oh, only Sally does the cleaning. And I was, I was a bit taken aback. And um, but Sally came on to me. He said, I'll speak to Sally. And Sally came on to me and said, oh, meet me. I meet on Saturday morning. I go on Saturday morning. So I started to meet with Sally on a Saturday morning to clean the church. And um, Sally said, do you want to come for coffee? And for a few Saturdays, I had something else to do and I didn't go. But when I did go, I met with not just Sally, but the lovely Jenny. <laughs> and the even lovelier Ian and Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I absolutely got that discussion. I said, we discuss everything. I don't need a clap for cleaning the church. Because by cleaning it, God gave me more than I ever expected. And when you open yourself up for God to show you things, that's what happens. See, it doesn't make you a conqueror. It makes you more than a conqueror. It doesn't just give you peace. He gives you peace that passes understanding that the world knows nothing about. It doesn't just give you joy. It comes with that your joy is complete. There is a fullness of joy. He doesn't just give you grace. He gives you this enormous grace that is sufficient for everything you're going through today. There's more grace than sin for you. He doesn't just give you. He gives you pressed down, shaken, pressed down till it's running over. He doesn't just give us the presence of God in the church. The promise is that he will fill the church with the very fullness of Christ himself. He gives you superabundantly more than you can ever ask for a dream of or even imagine. When we talk about the abundant life, we sometimes think of material things and the things that we want. But what you get is Jesus. And his abundance, that's when you have all the, the heavens opened and the riches of his grace pour onto you in all of these things. Get to know Jesus. Open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. Allow him to change you so that you can then go on and change others. Then he says, Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear. Hater. So there's three different types of people here. And he doesn't mention it, but I'm going to. <laughs> I think the first thing we have to do is pray. Prayer is phenomenal. Prayer is phenomenal. We tend to want a quantifiable prayer. We want it to be quantifiable. We won't be able to say that prayer was answered. We want the answers and we want to see. But I'm a firm believer now that our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty for the tearing down of strongholds. So in Ammonford, which Phil has prayed for, is a stronghold. But there are people out there 
God is calling. I'm convinced there's a mass of people out there who should be in the church that God is calling. And this church says that we are salt and light. And salt is a preservative. So when we pray, something happens in the heavenlies. It might not be quantifiable on earth, but it's happening in the heavenlies. There's a fight going on for Ammonford in the heavenlies. And who knows that we are preserving Ammonford from something much worse that would come along if there was not a praying church here to prevent it. So we can't see the results yet, but I'm convinced there will be results. Because the praying church is the salt that preserves the area. So first of all, we need to pray for others. We need to pray for them. Secondly, we need to teach them the truth. Not what they want to hear. Tough love. For some of these, it's tough love. Others be gentle. But for some, tough love. You know? And the next thing is, and I think, and this is what Mark touched on, you have to have Christian character to win the world. If your reputation is rank and rubbish in the world, I don't think we can expect to gain anybody for Christ. No? I've now... A firm believer. There's a lot of things I'm a firm believer in now, as you can see. <laughs> oh dear, laughing at my own jokes. But this is when <laughs> Helen will tell me when I go home, laughing at your own jokes again, ma'am. <laughs> but this is this is the the thing that I think is most important. I've lost my thread there for a minute, but uh, where was I? Can anybody remember where I was? Laughing at my own jokes. I've gone. <laughs> I'm a firm believer, but I still can't remember it. Never mind. It'll come. It'll come. That what God does it, that it doesn't matter how straight you are in your theology. You can be know all your doctrines off pat. But if you don't treat people right, and you see, your behavior is not matching your belief. And our behavior should match belief so we have to love people and you know this is the one thing is do people feel glad or sad when they see you (laughs) are they do you make their lives better some people live horrific lives and we don't know when we walk through this town we have no idea what their lives are like you know Some of them work in awful conditions, go home to awful conditions. They have nothing. Does coming into contact with me add to their grief or lift it a little? You know? When I'm in a cafe and and I walk in, do they think, oh, God, wait for some complaints. Here she comes again. (laughs) Because there are some people, I mean, I nursed for years. Believe me, there are some people you see come in and you think, oh, no, here we go. Do people look at us like that? Or are we a joy to people? Are we a joy to people? Do we add to their lives? Do we make it richer? Jesus went about doing good. Went about doing good. Let your good works so shine before men that they may praise your Father who is in heaven. Without Christian character in the church, they will say we are hypocrites. And they have every right to. We cannot call ourselves God's people when we behave worse sometimes than the world does. Christian character is phenomenally important. It goes along with our theology and our message. 
And the church that doesn't value people, the church that doesn't um, uh, celebrate people, I don't think is a church where Jesus feels comfortable in. Because Jesus is all about people. All people. We can't be snobs. Read James about snobs where they he puts he says the love of God is not in you. If we if we prefer some men because they've got money to some men who haven't and you know that all well, signs of society, the love of God is not in you, it says. We have to love people. Only then can we help them. You know? So are we gentle with people who doubt? Are we really irritated with them? I really wish they'd get it together. For goodness, they've been coming here long enough now. They should know it. Is that? Hey, that can very often be me. But are we gentle with them? You know, are we snatching others from the fire? So, so concerned that they're going to down the wrong road that we'll spend hours in prayer. That contend, by the way, I didn't say this. It, it bears with it the meaning to agonize over. Do we agonize over people in prayer when we see them walking down the wrong path? That God will bring them back. Are we firm with them when they go the wrong way? And the last thing is, you can't possibly gain your friends if you're acting exactly like them. <laughs> it's not, you know, can I just say, do you know youth are easy? They're an easy target, the youth, because they sort of do everything wrong. So... <laughs> Get for some things, but if I say this, and I'll use language that the youth that the youth use. If you go out on the lash every Saturday night with your friends, you can't preach to them about Jesus. You're no different to them. So if I'm doing what others, my non-Christian friends, are doing, you know, that is not being all things to all men. That is sinning, right? So you can't sin in order to gain people to so. The Holy Spirit changes the way I speak for a start. If I'm swearing like my friends, hey, ho, there's something wrong, and they have every right to say, call yourself a Christian. They have every right to. You know, if I'm sleeping with my boyfriend, then the people have every right to say, call yourself a Christian. Because actually, the Bible goes much further. The Bible says this. There should not be a hint of sexual sin among you. That's what the Bible says. Not don't do it. There shouldn't be even a hint of it among us. There shouldn't be a hint of sin among us. But sometimes we justify it because we're under grace. We go back to the first thing. So, love is the key for the church. And if we want to rescue the world and rescue people in the church, then our characters have to bear scrutiny. And I am convinced, totally, absolutely, 100% convinced that it's the way we treat people is more important than anything else. Not more important than wrong teaching. Don't get me wrong. The right teaching, but going along with that, is the way I deal with people is massively important, because people are important to God. And I'll finish with this. To him who is able to keep you from falling... And to prevent you perfect in his sight. What an absolute promise. Can you see where God's grace comes into us? It's all of grace. His grace is that he's called us. His grace is that he warns us. His grace is that he changes us. 
His grace is that he trains us and his grace is that he will keep us from falling. He will guard us. He will prevent, uh, he will prevent harm. He uh, it, it is a safety net around us. He is altogether wonderful. And I believe that this is a now little portion of scripture for this age. I really believe it. We're living in these days and it's a challenge to the church. Can we take action? Will we do what Jude says we should do? Will we fight for the faith and not compromise it because it suits us? Or because somebody says, will we build ourselves up by getting to know Jesus and then living like Jesus wants us to live? And let's pray that we'll gain the whole world. I'm starting with Jerusalem, which is Ammonford. I pray for Ammonford. I'm from Llanelli. But I pray for Ammonford because this is where God has put me. And we can believe that that town can be changed by the grace of God that he's given us and we have to share. Can I just finish with this? Now, I don't know if I'm going to be able to read this. So I might ask somebody to come. But this is the perfume I wear. This is the body wash, but I wear this perfume. Anybody know what this perfume is called? Not Andrew or Helen. Not Lizard, no Joe. It is actually called Amazing Grace. See how godly I am. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look how godly I am. Amazing Grace. Even that, you know. And this is what he says. It, it, it's a in philosophy. And, and, every, and I have skincare glorious at home, believe you me. This is just one of them. I mean, I could talk in that for nighttime about skincare, but I won't. I won't. But... It says this, on everything that, that they have, they've got a little portion of scripture about grace, not scripture, about grace. And it says this, philosophy, like a classroom, we are both teachers and, uh, students and teacher. Each day is a test, and each day we receive a passing or failing grade. No one, I'm oh, sorry, in... And each day we, uh, sorry, because I can't see it very well, a passing or failing grade in one particular subject, grace. Grace is compassion, gratitude, surrender, faith, forgiveness, good manners, reverence, and the list goes on. Um, and being the smartest, the prettiest, the most talented, the richest, or even the poorest can't help. Being a humble person can, and being a helpful person can guide you through your days with grace and gratitude. That's just a perfume. That is just a perfume. How much more should the church have a philosophy on grace? In Jesus' name. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.